Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Today's podcast is presented by Pago. Pago is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Pago. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today, become a member, and really be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-t-g-o dot c-o. And don't forget to tell your listeners to add Monster Legend Podcast in the How to Hear About Pago section of this application. Okay. So don't forget to mention me when you Sign up, people. Monster Legend Podcast. In the dark of the night comes a shooting light to guide you. All along the twisted roads in your mind, rubbish goes. In the whispering trees, through a dark haunting Hello and welcome to Monster Legend Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner. I'm your special guest today, Logan Swan. Hi, Logan. What's up, man? We're doing Monster Legends of Texas this week. One of my favorites. Man, there is a lot of Ladies over bridges, crying over babies in Texas. Like the Lava Lorna and the Donkey Lady. But uh, first off is uh, one of your favorites, the Goat Man. Yeah. So what's the, the goat, what's the Texas version of Goat Man? Oh. Well, in the last I researched it, he looks kind of like a mini Wendigo creature. Wendigo? Yeah. Whoa. That's like the cannibal thing, right? Right. 
Um, there's the Waterford Sheep Man from Pennsylvania. Oh. Uh, it's an abominable creature that terrorized the small town, rural town of Waterford, Pennsylvania in the 1970s. Wow. Larger than farm fields, stalking the unwilling animal and desire to tear it apart and feed on its flesh and blood. Hundreds of people witness this creature. It's also referred to as Goatman. We got another one in Maryland. Yeah. That's from part of the legend the Maryland Goatman is actually half man, half animal creature. That's once a scientist who works in the Beltsfield art culture. That's the one you told me about, right? public monster from Kentucky. Oh, there's other Swear. It's like a picture of Alistar. You're playing uh, League of Legends. I'm sorry, what was that? You're playing uh, League of Legends. Oh, no, I don't. Oh, there's a, a character you can play as called Alstar. He's like a Manitar. So it reminds me of. Uh, Proctor Valley Monster is said to be seven feet tall and a deranged cow. A Proctor Valley Monster provides numerous points of evidence for goat man's existence, including a footprint. Legend of Proctor Valley Monster grew and described as a seven foot tall, hairy humanoid like Bigfoot or sometimes a cow-like animal with body parts in the wrong place. The Proctor Valley monster is soon to be uh, responsible for livestock relations occur every now and then. The Bonita Museum in Chula Vista has a Castellan strange foot alleged to be of a monster. Almost identical to all government stories, the Proctor family monster seems like a tail told around a campfire, just right for a Hollywood B-movie. Okay. Yeah, so there's like several different Goatman legends around yeah. the country. Yeah, whenever I read the legend, it was like, who knows, maybe they're cousins. And so that's why I could tell that the that the person who posted that legend was being a little humorous, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's like the it's like one animal, like Finnier from Greek, from Greek mythology. Oh, yeah, yeah, Greek mythology. Not Finnier, but um, that's the wolf from... Oh, uh, like, Lycon or Lycon? Um, remember uh, Danny Vito played as in Hercules? It, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the Barracking from Marble Falls? Thank. I think I heard one of my friends talk about him before, but. Yeah. But I've never really like seen the stuff or read about it, you know. Uh, just ads. Let me ads on. There's like a uh, uh, the breaking a story as far as I can find first appeared on the May 11th, 1901 edition to the Washington B. Washington D.C. Corner story of Remy. Arlo's with a pretty girl in the knowledge bell of Marble Falls. One evening, her mother sent the girl out 
gathered the family sheep which were grazing nearby. Uh, as her mother went around her own work inside of Arlen's home, Rami's scream pierced even air. Fearing for her daughter's life, the woman raced out the door when she heard more screams, one of which was not her daughter's, but the scream of a panther. Picking the Rami interrupted a mountain lion attacking the sheep, girl mother, the girl's mother dashed back into the house, grabbed a gun, and charged into the woods. She searched the area, but found no sign of Rami. Distraught, the woman returned home to gather others for a search party. Folks combed the woods through the night, but didn't find Rami. Not even a single trace of blood for her, uh, no shredding clothing, no sign whatsoever. It was like she vanished into thin air. According to the story, as Rami was tending the sheep and making her way along the trail, a large black bear suddenly appeared in front of her. The bear wanted nothing to do with the girl sprinting away. Then a curious looking animal running on four feet sprang out of the peril into the trail. It was not a bear. Remy thought it looked somewhat human, crawling a kickapoo legend about the bear king. The creature grabbed the girl, glared into her eyes, and let out a horrid sound. The bell of Marble Falls thought surely the creature would tear her into pieces, but instead it tossed Remy over his shoulder and raced to the nearby wind mountains. Uh, Creature lugged Rami for miles until it reached its lair, a wretched smelling cave tucked away where no human could find it. Rami believed this was the end of her. When the Bear King tossed her to the ground and left her lying there, saw her chance and dashed for a cave's entrance. The creature grabbed her and hit her around about the head. The girl gave herself up for her lost. As she waited for the inevitable, uh, Rami noticed the Bear King's getting tired. He slumped to the cave floor and fell asleep. She remained patient and waited for at least an hour and fled the cave. The day after her disappearance, Hunter came upon a young, disheveled girl who was aimlessly walking. It was Rami. Hunter helped her home where her, where her relieved mother was waiting. Rami recovered from her ordeal and told everyone about her encounter with the Bear King. A group of hunters headed out towards the mountains, bent on killing the beast. They found the bear king and confronted it. The creature stood up on to the hunters, snapping and grinding its teeth while beating its chest. It roared at the man and let out a scream like a panther's. The man took aim but hesitated. It looked so human. But the bear king, full of rage, charged the man. The gunfire brought it down. So was this some half-human, half-bear creature or maybe animal unknown to science. Some cryptologists feel like it could have been a Bigfoot. Well, that's a good story. Yeah, I have to admit that the hunters actually found it. There's a lot of stories like, like, oh, there's a monster and they kill it and, and then it's like, where's the body? Yeah, it's it not like a fairy tale, only the real version of one. Oh, what's your favorite Grimm's um, fairy tale? Oh. You know what? I don't really technically have a favorite, you know? Cause, yeah. Um, when I was littler, my grandma used to read them to me all the time, but it's been many years, so I kind of lost track. Red Riding Hood's good. I like that one. Yeah. Have you seen the movie Red Riding Hood? Uh, probably not. I've seen. I've probably seen the one you're thinking of. 
Yeah, because it's on Netflix. Do you have Netflix? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you see, oh, what was that one? See that one movie about that? Uh, what's it called? About those people got lost in the woods and they fight that giant monster thing. Oh. Yeah, I think so. I gotta find it. Don't bother me. I gotta find it. The ritual. What's it called? Um. Tony. Um, you ever been to San Antonio? Oh, was that? You ever been to the San Antonio? Oh yes, I've been to San Antonio numerous times. So like there, I've never been. I've never been there. I haven't seen it or nothing. Oh well, you know, I remember, I still remember my first time going, and we like did. They have like this kind of like this little amusement park. Like they have a river walk, and they have all kinds of like restaurants you can go and eat at. Sweet. And and they have this haunted mansion that's gotten scarier over the years. You know. Haunted mansion. Okay. Oh, it's just the haunted. They just like have a haunted house you can go through. I good. Probably like. Did you, yeah, you ever go through? Did you ever go, go through there? Yes. What was it like in the house? Was like. Well, lots of fog and lots of smells of Halloween plastic. Oh. Like, have you ever like walked into a Halloween store and you like, like the plastic stuff? Like, oh yeah. Like it's like it's like that. Oh, it's like a, it's like set up for like decorations and stuff. Yeah, kind of. But you like walk through the hall and it was like, yeah, yeah. Have you heard about the donkey lady? I have not. Oh, uh, on the south side of San Antonio is a bridge known to be the home of the donkey lady. Some say she's a ghost, while others say she's a living creature, half donkey and half human. Donkey Lady Bridge is at the end of Jet Road, or it runs into Applewhite Road. She is said to live in these woods around the bridge and jump on your car dampening with her hooves to park here to the lawn. There are many stories on the internet about the San Antonio legend, whether she's a ghost or a creature. Donkey Lady is scary and well known throughout many parts of Texas. Several stories details how the donkey lady came to be, how she came part donkey, part human. Some stories says she lost her children in a fire set by her husband. She was ter- terribly disfigured in the fire, using her fingers and toes together, creating hoof-like hands and feet. Her head was so badly burned in the fire that it healed in such a warped and elongated fashion so it resembled that of a donkey. She roamed to areas surrounding the bridge in South San Antonio nightly, crying for her children. She would routinely chase off anybody who bothers her by honking. Honking a car's horn is probably the best way to get the attention of this beastly donkey lady. Another story about how the donkey lady came to be surrounds the same bridge area south of San Antonio in the mid-50s. A woman would walk her donkey along the road into the fields near her home so that the donkey grazed. Boy claimed the doc- woman's donkey had bitten him so, ba- so the boy's father 
Salvador's friends plotted to grab the donkey as it was being walked by the woman to the fields. They waited in the woods and they jumped out when she walked by and tried to grab the rope from the woman that was leading her donkey. As they fought for the rope, the donkey accidentally fell into the stream and drowned. The men were walking away when the woman started throwing rocks at them. A rock hit one of the men, knocking him unconscious. Other men grabbed the woman and threw her into the water where she drowned. The spirit of the woman and her beloved donkey combined into one now angrily roamed the area around the bridge. The woman donkey lady ghost is said to have enormous strength, scary eyes, beastly screams, and rage that haunts anyone who bothers her or come into her vicinity. Uh, one account taken from Angel Fireside. Uh, down in San, in area near San Antonio, there's a little listening. Oh yes, yeah, so. uh, um, sometimes like they they copy and paste same things. Yeah. Yeah. Same period. Uh, the story is not really related to me, but it happened to me, some friends of mine. I know a little bit of life and have no reason not to believe. One night in the late nineteen eighty seven, while at my best friend's house, four fellow companions showed up. Bored and looking for something to do, we suggested they visit Donkey Lady Bridge. The station was only a short drive from the house, five or six miles, and was on a local favorite amongst late night stories. They agreed and were soon driving out of sight. About six hours later, the vehicles returned to our driveway with only one occupant. Assuming he had taken the girls home and that he was ready to party in South, South Antonia, we went out anxious to greet him. What we found on the car is something I'll never forget. The windshield was busted, the front dented, and there was what appeared to be blood all over the hood. We immediately ran over to the driver's door to see if John was all right. Whatever. John was just sitting there, staring at the win- out the window, with a blank expression on his face. After several minutes of consistent badgering, we finally got him to talk. He, Lisa, Terry, and Jill arrived at the bridge. We began to honk her horn, trying to summon the legendary donkey lady. After about 15 minutes of not seeing anything, they decided to go into the woods and look for themselves. What happened next was truly incredible. As if I had known John all my life and seen him car, I would not have believed him. While walking in the woods, John said he got a feeling that they were being watched. He immediately stopped and told everyone to be quiet. Looking around and evaluating the situation, discovered what appeared to be two eyes staring at them off in the distance. These eyes seemed to be reflecting the moonlight and were of a color that he said to be indescribable. The girls panicked and began to run back into the car. John was quick to follow, but soon after he turned away, there was a horrible scream from the direction of the eyes. He described it as almost being a cry from an intelligent animal. Too afraid to turn around, he picked up the pace as he ran to the car. When he got there, the girls were already in the car, screaming for him to get in and leave. As he was trying to find his keys, he heard what seemed to be the sound of a horse running in the direction. Staring, starting the car, he slammed it into gear, put it to the floor. Suddenly, a figure appeared in the road in front of them. Too afraid to stop, John collided with the figure, hit the hood of the car, and rolled off the roof. Looking in his rear mirror, he said he thought, the, he thought the figure got up and continued to pursue them. 
After hearing this and seeing the condition of the car, Steve and I immediately felt this deserves a second look. John told us he will never return to the bridge again, but he wanted to risk our lives to go right ahead, grabbing two flashlights and a pair of shotguns. We jumped into my pickup and made my way up for the bridge. As we, as we drew closer, we slowed down and turned on the many off-road lights my truck had. These lit the road and the woods to the side of us as if there, it was daytime, giving us an outstanding view of the bridge as we approached. First thing we noticed as the bridge was near were enormous amounts of blood on the road. However, these were the only signs of evidence we could find. Upon investigation of the woods by foot and shotguns, we discovered what seemed to be several tracks of a small, unshod horse leading to the road. After several hours of looking and not finding anything, we returned to the house. By this time, John had already found his way home and we lay in bed, too excited to sleep. To this day, none of the four individuals involved in the story have returned to the bridge. Did John actually see a attracted donkey lady that night? Merely a stray pony startled by their presence. All I know is that something was there that night and scared our friends up to death. Pretty intense story. It is pretty intense. You ever get like bit by a horse or a donkey or anything? I have not. Uh, luckily, I have not either. It looks very painful. So, oh, what's another um, thing fact about Texas? Okay, well, let's see. I know the classic we all know that's pretty much, I think, is Texas and Bigfoot, I'd say. Of course, we all know him, right? Yeah, Bigfoot's like a rat of North America, cryptids. He's like yeah. everywhere. He's like yeah. literally everywhere. Mm hmm. Different species of Bigfoot as well. Yeah, like skunk ape in Florida. Yeah, the skunk ape, yeah. I remember my friend's mom telling me about that. It's like a smelly Bigfoot from lunch. Yeah. Uh, Texas. So, uh, so with, uh, Texas. Tell me about Texas, history of Texas. There's like a country, right? One, one time, pretty much. It's like part of Mexico and. Uh, to, um, tell me about like, the history of Texas. What's, what happened? Well, well, you know, um, there's, I've heard many different stories of all Texas history and also learned whenever I took Texas history class, like, like my my great grandpa, he lived. He was like literally born whenever the Great Depression started. Yeah. And also, and the funny thing is, whenever my great grandpa was born, he, his mom and dad, they had lots of kids like that. My papa, my uncle Dan, uncle Joe, and about ten more. You know. Yeah. Mhm. Mm 
Yeah, they had like dozens of kids back then. Mm-hmm. And everyone in that little town that they lived in, they called her because my papa's name is Bull Price, and everyone in that little village called his mom Granny Price. Granny Price. Bull Price. Nice. You used to like have like a was this the kind of town where everybody knew everybody. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah, cause I mean he was born in thirty four. Or thirty two. Mm. I mean, yeah, thirty two. Yeah. Texas Revolution. So, uh, what was te- what was the Texas Revolution? Of the American Revolution, that was like a. No, the, the Texas Revolution. Oh, the Texas Revolution. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I don't really know too much about that because we also, but do you know the Great Storm in 1900, Galveston? Uh, no, tell me about it. Well, in Galveston, of course, way back in 1900, there's that's whenever literally they discovered hurricanes, and it was like literally the worst hurricane of all time. And back then, they didn't have all the technology we do now, so that's how the, it was hard. So, you know, it's just how, oh, I remember this. Uh, is this where like, they? There's a big hurricane or something, storm, storm, and this is before they have a little warning systems in place, and everyone. Yes. Yeah. And and the storm was so bad it, it knocked out all other ways they could communicate, and it caused like nine billion dollars worth of damage or something. Oof. God, yeah, that's awful. A, that was a lot of money in 1900. That's a lot of money now. These. Yeah. But back then it'd be like twice as much, you know. Yeah. I mentioned. Uh, yeah, it's a French colonization. It's a French colonized Texas in oh, 16- yeah. yeah, we learned about that at the beginning of the year. The Spanish colonization. And the missionaries and, you know. Like yeah, Robert LaSalle, the big of the Baca. Then you had the Seven Years' War in 1700s. Yeah. And you know, like, uh, stuff with Mexico in the 1800s. This is its own thing, man. I gotta read up on this. There's a lot, too. I'm like, looking at the Wikipedia page for Texas history, and it's like huge. Yeah. Oh. The Lone Star Army Ammunition Plant and Longhorn Army. You have like an ammo, fact- ammo factory in Texas in World War II? Yeah. yeah. I believe so. But, uh, back to these cryptids. There's a, a thing called the Lake. I don't know if I'm saying it's right or not. It's like Lake Chup. Lakuza, I think. It's uh, either a shape-shifting witches or spirits in Hispanic folklore. Tales of Lakuza are quite popular in Mexico and Texas. They're a human-sized bird with a woman's face. Uh, Lakuza are women who have sold their souls to the devil in exchange for magical powers. 
At night, they transform into monsters with a bird's body and a woman's face. Similar to depictions of harpies in Greek mythology, they then fly through the night in search of prey. When a Lakusa finds her target, she'll perch in a location where she can't easily be seen, and they'll make either strange whistles or the sound of an infant crying. Anyone who attempts to determine where the sound is coming from is at risk of becoming a Lakusa's dinner. Lakusa will then swoop down and carry off the accused and horrified individual. In some versions of the story, the Lakusa is the spirit of a witch who is murdered by locals. The spirit returns in the form of a bird monster to get revenge. In other tales, Lakusa is the eventual spirit of a woman who has returned from the grave to torment the living and to seek revenge. In modern times, most reported run-ins with the witch bird involve her swooping down at cars, driving deserted roads at night. Uh, as a witch, Lakusa possesses supernatural powers. One of the powers of Lakusa is summoning storms. Signs of Lakusa are believed to side with thunderstorms. Lakusa possesses the power to shapeshift into bird monsters at night. Lakusa also possesses the ability to disguise their voices to appear as if it were the cries of infant. Never said that guy. Okay. Uh, finally, it is believed that hearing the cry of the Lakusa is the omen that someone in the household will die, a trait more commonly found in tales of the Banshee. The Lakusa are immune to weapons and bullets and possibly are immortal. Uh, Lakusa fear salt. Upon hearing the call of Lakusa, one should immediately begin cussing her out. Doing so will drive her away. They'll go outside to investigate hearing a strange whistle sound or the sound of a baby crying. Oh, it was creepy. It's beyond creepy. Uh, yeah, baby crying and stuff is like super creepy to me. I don't, I don't know what it is. But it's like, yeah. Especially if it's like out of nowhere. Yeah. Have you ever heard the legend of the Mothman, West Virginia folklore? Oh yeah. It's like, well, I can't wait to do that one. Yeah. That'd be awesome. And also, apparently, there's this other. I think West West. Sorry. West Virginia folklore about this psychopath dressed in a bunny costume. And- oh, the uh, I heard, I heard, I seen something about that, about the bunny man thing. Yeah, bunny man, psychopath who dressed in that costume apparently. Yeah, was that you? I think I seen your post about it on Instagram. Oh yeah. Bunny. Perfect, Virginia, nice. Who's this guy? Is this like a real thing? We're not up here yet. Mm-hmm. I got a crazy funny man. Yeah. Uh, did you hear about the black eyed children? The black eyed children, I did not. Black eyed children are idiosyncratic phenomenon involving eerie kids going with ghostly pale white skin and pitch black eyes. Go around asking their victims for seemingly harmless favors. Usually these involve okay. uh, Usually these involve uh, asking the person if they came into the location the person is, is at the house like, uh, is 
that, like a house or a car, because they usually have to be invited to come inside. Some might speculate that the black-eyed kids are vampires because their validation is limited. Some even have said that the black-eyed children are regular children who have been democratically possessed or, or human-alien hybrids. Whatever the case may be, the person isn't at their presence. They're often described an intense amount of fear and dread. They're even described being almost contonic hypnotic state where they look into the midnight eyes. Most of these children are usually always between the ages of 6 and 16. The supposed origin of the legends are 1998 postings written by Texas reporter Brian Bethel on a ghost-related mailing list. Relating alleged encounters with black-eyed kids in Albany, Texas, and Portland, Oregon. Called classic examples of creepy pasta, Bethel's stories gained such popularity that he posted a FAQ just to keep up with the man for more info about the new urban legend. In 2012, Brian Bethel told a story on the rally television series Monsters and Mysteries in America. He wrote a follow-up article for the Albany Reporter News describing the experience. Uh, some cases of black-eyed children could be pranksters wearing contact lenses or children with andrea andrea oh pig's not found okay thank you link so helpful yeah i've never really been a creepy pasta fan myself you know yeah i haven't been really i don't like i i know some i don't like i don't go my way to look it up yeah. And you get the, uh, you know, little men in black. Um, I have not seen it, but I've I've, I've seen the previews. The pre- oh, like the, the men in black. Uh, sometimes an acronym MIB, going by John Kill, are strange dressed in black suits, or strangers dressed in black suits who threaten UFO witnesses into silence. Also harass witnesses to other paranormal events to keep them quiet about what they have seen. Then, but uh, if I usually travel a group of three and drive black cars, they show strange or unworthy behavior, such as trying to drink jello or not knowing what a ballpoint pen is. They have seemed to have an advanced technology. One woman even claimed that the men in black took part took part of her memory. MB or seen after Mothman sightings and Dover Demon sightings. They told witnesses of both these creatures not to talk about their experiences. There are also women in black or female in MIBs, but they are rarely seen. Uh, men in black figure prominently in UFO folklore in 1947. Harold Dahl claimed to have seen some been warned not to talk about his alleged UFO sighting on Maury Island by a man in a dark suit. When the skunk ape phenomenon was popular, a group investigating him had a hair sample stolen from them by two men in sunglasses and dark suits driving a black sedan. There's many, uh, like a, I don't think they are. There's like either like government people trying to keep stuff quiet or time traveling aliens. I'm currently leaving, so. And apparently, you know, once I read, I, I forgot I got this for my birthday, but I found it recently. This uh, Bigfoot book, apparently, and I read in here that um, once a Bigfoot and a UFO sighting took place in 2010. 
like at the exact same time, like a Bigfoot standing in front of a UFO. Oh yeah, I've heard. There's a, there's a theory that Bigfoot is alien. Like Bigfoot could be alien. Yeah. Do, do you think Bigfoot? Could, uh, do you think Bigfoot is a uh, extraterrestrial? No, I don't really think so. Like from my perspective and all the documentaries I've seen and all that I've read, I think that he is pretty much an undiscovered species of, of you know ape. Because I've read way back in like the Apolithic era, there's this giant monkey called the giant Apithecus. So maybe it's a hybrid from that. Yeah, I think I think so too. He's probably an ape. Yeah. Um, do you think he's like a, why do you think we, it's, he's so hard to find? I don't know, but I just sometimes like, I ask myself that a lot cause I mean, that's honestly, that's a really good question because you see, I'm Christian, so I kind of look at it like this, like to see if it's God's will that he be discovered or not, you know? Yeah. But uh, you know, like uh, like wolves and bears and stuff are around here. They're in Texas. And they're in here in Tennessee too. You know, yeah. but we don't see. I don't see them all the time either. You know, but I know yeah. they're out there. Because mm-hmm. I I just kind of look to myself and sometimes I wonder just like oh like how many urban legends are hiding out there like Bigfoot like yeah. I don't speak of which like do you know any cool werewolf legends? Well, oh, there's. Like one from Texas, from Tennessee. Is there any one from Texas? Not often. Anything? There's like Dogman legends. Oh yeah, Dogman. I discovered that recently too. Is it really big in like in Michigan? Yeah. Because I kind of looked up the dog man, and apparently he's supposed to be like this humanoid creature that looks like a werewolf. Yeah. He's like super mean, too. Yeah. There's like a bunch, um, there's one site that has like a bunch of accounts that are on there, and it's like really scary. Like a yeah. wolf. What's our cowler? Have you heard about the Ozark Howler? No, I don't think I have. Uh, the Ozark Howler, also known as the Ozark Black Howler, the like hoo-hoo, nightshade bear, and the devil cat. The legendary creature has reported to live in remote areas in Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas. It's typically described as being bear-sized with a thick body, stocky legs, black shaggy hair, Blowing red eyes and prominent horns. It's Christ often described as being a combination of a wolf's howl, an elk's bugle, and the laugh of a hyena. Uh, <clears throat> uh, cryptologists have speculated that the creatures might have been misidentified or organized big cat anthropologists and folklorists have speculated that the creature might be uh, branching off of the dark dog of death found in British folklore. Such as the church grim, black shuck, or the guy trash. The trash, uh, 
Symbologists who believe in those are however asserted that the mountain lion breed has either mutated to new subspecies or hybrid of mountain lion and unknown creature. Other guesses have included that the Ozakhaler might be a wild boar, eastern woman bison, a hyena, or a surviving member of the Grindon family. The uh, earliest legend of the Ozakhaler is of a meeting between the Daniel Boone and the creature in Missouri. Early 1800s, Boone is reported to have fired his gun at the Ozark Howler in some versions of the story, although there was no evidence the beast was killed and kept as a trophy. Recently, the Ozark Howler was in Newton County, Arkansas in 2011. Most recently, in 2015, Eric resident went to have photographed Ozark Howler at Devil's Den State Park. It's like a A bear, one bear thing. One bear thing, yeah, that's a bit. Did you ever like um here like here in Tennessee we have a like panthers stuff apparently. Yeah. You have anything? You have like a, a big cats in Texas? No, we have not really anything, but not mine. Emeralds. You like gargoyles? Gargoyles, though. No, I haven't really been too interested, but I haven't really read any much of that. But anyways, but have you heard the legend of the Russian Yeti? Russian Yeti. Yeah. Does, does he uh, drink vodka and does like uh, communist memes? <laughs> I haven't seen too many communist memes about that, though. So. Well, um, tell me about him. Well, Russian Yeti. Apparently, he's a hybrid form of Sasquatch, and from all the and also I read on the on I saw a documentary one time that there was a group of dead students found in the uh found in mm-hmm. the found in the uh what's what's it called? It was found in a tin, and they think the Rush and they thought that the Russian Yeti did it. Oh no! What it what? Like, why do you think he, he did it? Because they couldn't really find any evidence on, like, they didn't find any human fingerprints or anything. Oh. They just thought the Russian Yeti did it. And I was like... I guess they were really messed up. Like, pre... Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what you meant. Uh, this one guy told me a story how this guy was trying to got attacked by a bunch of Bigfoot, Bigfoot, and got torn apart. Oof. Yeah. I think maybe Bigfoot's getting tired of all the hunting. Uh, it's like any animal when you're getting to their territory. Oh, yeah. And you know what else I read? That during Vietnam, apparently they found this form of Bigfoot that was really aggressive and that could not be killed by bullets, which was called rockets, apparently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, a, there's one in, like, up north. It's like Stone Ape or something like that. And it would come to, like, villages and, like, tear the whole village apart and like, tear heads off and stuff. Yeah. And eat them alive. Brutal. 
but it's pretty not it's pretty normal for like primates because like chimps are pretty violent against other tribes of chimps. If you like weird and strange history as much as I do, then I have the podcast for you. I'm Jason Horton, host of Strange Year. Each episode, I break down the strange history and cultural happenings during that year, like 1977, the wow signal, 1963, three tramps theory, 1844, the Millerite movement, 1997, the Phoenix Lights, 1896, the shortest war, 2004, Benjamin Kyle, 1518, the dancing plague, 1985, the move bombing, 1972, remote viewing. So to get your weekly weird history fix, pause the podcast you're listening to right now and subscribe to strange year wherever you listen to podcasts frank shaw's gargoyle is a bizarre monster sighted in 1986 a nasa employee had a horrifying encounter with a winged jet black malevolent monstrosity an encounter that would haunt him for the rest of his life on a blustery evening sometime in 1986 frank shaw a nice a NASA archivist at Houston's Johnson Space Center claimed to have had a terrifying run-in with a creature that seemed to hail from beyond mythology. While information regarding the case is admittedly sparse, Shaw's daughter, Desiree, would eventually reveal the details of this mysterious run-in to author Nick Redburn in 2004. Desiree testified that she first realized that something was drastically wrong with when her father returned home late one night after working at the space center. While neither Desiree nor her mother were particularly alarmed by Shaw's tardiness, as he often was cried to work in the wee hours, they were often dismayed by his alarming, oppressive demeanor. The pair uh, attempted to confront Shaw, who would eventually able to compose himself enough to regale him them with a terrifying tale of expression with the unknown. According to Shaw, he was walking to his car at the end of his shift when he feared to mess up and see a ghastly black gargoyle-like figure perched anonymously on the edge of a, on the Space Center's building. Shaw claimed that he was frozen in horror at the sight of this astounding apparition, which, according to his description, was a jet-black humanoid that seemed to have a large cape draped across its shoulders. As if it were bizarre enough, claimed that he saw two massive battle-like wings sticking out of either side of the fabric, or perhaps wrinkled flesh of what he perceived to be a cape. The description seemed to bear at least a pastor's illness not only to Norris Mothman, but also to Owl Man of Cornwall, both oh, of which man. are... Yeah, read that about. Uh, both of which are said to be winged humanoid creatures, to elicit an irrational fear in those who witnessed them. There's a chance that this also may be associated with the ape-based cryptid known locally as the Big Bird. What the? It's Big Bird. What terrified the residents of South Texas... I read about that next. Oh. Uh, what terrified the residents of South Texas, Rio Grande Valley, such as just a decade previously. Shaw then told his awestruck family that only had... Seen not only had he seen this creature, but had stared directly down at him. Shaw would later assert that he believed that this being actually seemed to be a savoring the fact that it managed to inspire such terror in Archivist. How Shaw came to the conclusion was not fully explained. It was at this point that the gargoyle seemed to be 
unfurl its wings, which Saw stated made a crackling noise as it as it took flight into, in the powerful howling gusts. The sound of crackling wings seemed to snap Saw out of stupor, and he turned and sprinted towards his vehicle. What must have been the longest moments of his life, Shaw fumbled with his keys, unlocked the car door, uh, dove inside, started the engine, and drove into the blackness of the night, too far, too terrified to even look back to see if he was being pursued by the winged ebony atrocity. Despite what must have been an initial skepticism, Shaw's family rallied behind the patriarch, believing that his harrowing tale was not merely a flight of fancy, but a simple truth. Nevertheless, both Desiree and her mother, Thomas Shaw, not only tells his peers about the incident, less his incredible, or worse, yet his insanity, he called into question. Shaw agreed with his daughter and wife. As days turned to weeks, he was unable to get to the memory of his close encounters with his flying feet out of his mind. Finally, Shaw decided to screw up his courage and combined his immediate supervisor. Much to Shaw's light, he was not met with incredibility or mockery, but instead was affirmed that he was not the first Johnson Space Center employees to have seen this dynamic and the skulking in the isolated areas of the station. In fact, Shaw's boss revealed that a secret file had been opened on the creature was a few months prior to Shaw's sighting. The supervisor stated that the file had been created in response to gruesome deaths of two of the base's German shepherds. Uh, apparently, the corpses that had seemed to extinguish canines had been discovered in exactly the same area where Shaw had seen the gargoyle. Following his unusual confession, Shaw's story made its way up chain command until it apparently came to the attention of some NASA officials who, in classic men in black fashion, decided to interrogate the witness. According to Desiree, her father was intensely grilled by what she referred to as NASA security people who were flown in from somewhere in Arizona. That much I know. These NASA security people made it clear to Shaw that it would be in his, his and his family's best interest to refrain from telling his bizarre story to anyone else. This might well explain why Desiree waited nearly 18 years to tell her father's tale. While there has been no new public reports of the entity in over two and a half decades, which may be due no small part to NASA's complete policy of silence, there seems to be a fairly good chance that the book Thirsty Gargoyle may well be lurking the shadows of Johnson Space Center. But he has swooped down and struck again. What else? Have you been to the Johnson Space Center? I'm not. We'll go there. I have to go there. It's a hot today. Man, I've been so busy at work. I'm like swamped at work. Yeah, what do you what do you normally do at work? I I'm a receiver at warehouse. Oh, cool. Oh it's so boring. Yeah. But I could just drive for questions. I do it for work. Oh well you see I'm only thirteen but Oh it's okay. Oh, I was high, high school. Or, or in high school. Uh, I'm just going in eighth and we're, okay. I'm doing online this year because, you know, 
Yeah. With this crazy virus going around us. Because it means that the truth is, I'm, I was just thinking about it. If one person gets the virus in the school, they're going to have to shut down the entire school system in the city. Oh no, no school. Oh no. It's pretty much like, who knew the, the end of school would happen in March, you know? Yeah. So, uh, how's the virtual classroom been? Oh, it's been easier, actually. Not gonna lie. It's like easier how? Oh, kind of like you're able to be like more concentrated. And, yeah. And actually like understand things like. This, uh, is uh, any classes like easier on patrol than other classes? Well, you know. It's just a, like through matters of um, understanding to me because you know, because normally kids got really obnoxious at school one time, and if you like, hey, sorry, what was that? And everyone's just like, bro, like you know, and you're just like, oh, yeah. And in with virtual school, you actually understand it, you know? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I'm a college professor. Yeah, like um, a lot of um, like group. You have like group chats and stuff. Oh yeah. If, as a matter of fact, we're gonna be using this app for classes in like Monday. Yeah. Yeah, school Monday. It's the same like hours and stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Not- yeah, and normally the school messaged uh, messaged us on like the schedules like. One time you have to be in front of your computer and all that stuff, you know. Yeah. I, um, I, I guess you do like uh, I do like PE and stuff. I guess it's like the same thing. It's... Oh, PE, it was kind of hard, but just I got through it, you know. Uh, Big Bird. It's named by a cricket that flew over the Rio Grande area in 1976. The big bird is an adorable one who lives on Sesame Street with his hay bear radar, but it was named after him and Jess. It was a subject of jokes and concern. Both witnesses described an unknown mysterious animal as about five feet tall, featherless, and having a long beak, bat-like wings, and a monkey-like face. All the following reports have come from the Rondi Island area. During first, uh, Tracy Larson and cousin Jackie Davies were playing outside when they saw a creature. It was over five feet tall, had dark red eyes, bald head, gorilla-like face, and a long beak. Avian emitted a shrill screech. The next day, the father saw three toad tracks pressed about an inch into the ground. The only dog stayed inside of the doghouse, leaving only to go into the house for dinner. They had to be forced back outside. On January 7th, policeman Arthur Padilla saw something in the headlights of his cruiser. It was a huge bird. Minutes later, fellow officer Homer Galvin sighted a large black silhouette gliding through the air. Alvico Gajuro spotted the creature and described it as looking like a bat. During 14th, Armando Grimaldo heard us sound like a bat's wings flapping. Suddenly, large talons grabbed him and tore his shirt. It was a bird-like creature with red eyes, a monkey-like face, and no beak. A 
about this time, several school teachers witnessed strange bird with a wingspan of at least 12 feet across. One of the teachers performed some research and discovered a picture like what it looks like what they saw. It was that teacher found a pterosaur. It's a pterosaur? Oh, did you, uh, did you ever like look about that? It's like a bunch of pterosaurs and trying to stay alive. And oh, yes. Yeah. Quite Eleven o'clock. And um, what's I got here? I think I thought that chupacabra. Oh yeah, the chupacabra. That's that. I saw documentaries about that one time, and it like I remember whenever they found that dead wolf creature. I seen that picture. Oh yeah, uh, like mange and stuff. Yeah. That was like a named American lion. Oh yeah, the Chupacabra. Chupacabra. Yeah, it's such a Chupacabra. Chupacabra. Or Chata. Or Chata. Or Or Yinya. It's a globally distributed with a dog wolf. Virginia India as well as Ethiopia. Korkata has the body of an extremely large dog, sometimes as large as a mule. It head resembles that of a hyena and has cloven hosts, a horse like mane, and a tail that resembles that of a lion. Its fur ranges in color oranges, yellow to brownish black, and can include spots or stripes resembling a hyena or tiger. It's not without teeth but bones used to crush its prey. has the ability to mimic human speech and use the power to lure its victims to it, usually by pretending to be someone in trouble. The creature often uses a voice that the victim recognizes, sometimes calls the victim by name or includes other personal information in its cry for help. The Kokrata has some unusual vulnerabilities or powers, but resilient to damage it can be overcome by conventional weapons. Kokrata can survive as any type of climate or terrain, as long as there is plenty of food available. But most are often found in areas where herd animals like sheep, cow, or deer are plentiful. They also make their lairs in caves or abandoned buildings because they are so rarely encountered in modern day America. Uh, my force has not been able to determine very much specific information about this creature's life cycle and habitats. Kokrata appeared to have animal level intelligence and their mimicry seem to be similar to that of a parrot. However, your ability to mimic voices known to the victim, in some cases, use the victim's name or other personal information, leads researchers to believe that the creature uh, has some rudimentary form of telepathic ability. While Kurata will and do, do eat humans, they seem equally satisfied with other forms of meat, Does not do not go unusually unusual links to find human prey. There's uh from like accounts from India and Ethiopia. Uh Krokata are mentioned in the work of Strabo Bali and other ancient scholars where they are typically reported as in Ethiopia. 
proses uh, science in the US have been Western states, especially Texas and Oklahoma. So got wolf. It's like a hoofed. Worth a good thing. It's look doesn't look very nice. What's that? It's look like a very nice dog. Oh yeah. Anyways, was that your dog barking in the background? Uh it was my girlfriend's dog. Oh, okay. I heard about the Lake Worth monster. Lake monster. Mm-mm. I don't think I have. Is it like the Loch Ness kind of? Uh, I don't. I'm sure what it is. Uh, Lake Worth monster is a satyr-like creature that terrorized the people of the city of Lake Worth in Texas in July 1969. A few couples that have seen the Lake Worth monster were first to do so, and soon on it became a Naman, reporter Jim Mars, follows up a own story and wrote an article which made front page news. The headline was Fishy Man Goat Terrifies Couples Parked at Lake Worth. Oh, oh, it's a goat. It's a goat man. Oh. Uh, the couple describes it as a goat and a man like with fur and scales. John Riker's car was supposedly damaged by a Lake Worth monster to jump out, out of a tree. As proof, he had foot and a half long scar on it. The police finally decided to investigate, yet yielded no answers. Only one day after Reichardt's incident, a force came in of a creature rolling a tire from a bluff at bystanders. In October of 1969, a man named Alan Plaster took a picture of the Lake Worth monster, which is the only photographic evidence of the creature. The photograph shows a large white body image was then given to Sally and Clark. Weird. Look at anything. Um, the creature's hurling attire was found out to be a man. Vincent, as he was called, made it in 2009, he was involved with tire throwing. He claims that he was rolling attire along with some friends that hit a bump and went into the air, eventually landing apparently very close to the bystanders. Right, KDFW, a Fox owned television station. Dallas Fort Worth area did a lengthy report in November of 1999 about the Lake Worth monster. It interviewed some of those who saw it. This is reporter Jim Mars and Sally Ann Clark. Report announced that some high school students admitted to police that French people by dressed up in a gorilla suit and paraded them around the lake in 1969. So, you ever like uh, get into inner tube and get inside and roll down a hill. Oh, like out of water park? Yeah. Oh, yes, I have actually. I get dizzy. Yeah, what, do they have any water parks in Tennessee? Oh, yeah, there's a Dollywood, Splash Country. Oh, cool. And uh, I think there's another one. But like Pigeon Forge or something. Cool. Oh. Yeah, here we have Typhoon, Texas. And the funny thing is, you know, my friend's dad Evelyn, her dad's British, and um, he calls it yeah. Typhoid, Texas. Typhoid. <laughs> yeah, it's Typhoon, Texas, but he calls it Typhoid, Texas. That's funny. Yeah, he's beyond funny. He's super sarcastic. Well, what's your favorite uh, roller coaster in Texas? 
Oh. Well, you know, I have a few, actually, because I remember what, normally whenever the carnival comes up, or actually in Galveston, I really love the Iron Shark. Iron Shark? What's that like? Uh the Iron Shark will see... At first, like, like, you go up like that, you go up at a straight, like, straight time, and then you, like, go like that, and then you drop down, and it, it's super fun. Like, at first, I was a little bit paranoid, but the first time I got on it, I couldn't get off of it, you know? Yeah. The, um, heck, the Tennessee Twister, pretty fun. Like, like, three loops. Oh, yeah. I'm a beast. Hmm, apparently so. A woodpecker. How do you build woodpecker? Uh, I build woodpecker was one of the largest woodpeckers in North America. It was named to southeastern United States, especially to Arkansas. Uh, I guess it's a woodpecker species that went extinct. I was in, around Texas. Seems like. I guess people still see it around. I can't even read this. This is December 21st, 2001, a 19 year old driving along the Pennsylvania route. 119 reported what he described as flags flapping in a thunderstorm in front of his car. I looked up, it was down to see what looked like a bird, like about three to four and a half meter wingspan and a strange elongated head flying above him. Over the next few months, two more witnesses would report seeing similar creatures in Greenville and Canada. These are Thunderbirds. Isis in Pennsylvania. The bloop. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that noise that they heard that they thought it was some creature, but then it was a piece of ice. Right yeah, the bloop was a powerful ultra low frequency underwater sound of uncertain origin, detected by the National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration in 1987, South Pacific. Alright. Icequake. I guess it was like Icequake. Sounds like. Alright. Uh. Yeah. Any stories for me? Any stories? Oh, well. My, my friend's little brother, Michael, he said that once he had a Wendigo encounter at his camp. Ooh, what happened? What happened there? What happened at the camp? He said he saw that the he said the entire campsite saw these two red glowing eyes because after the instructor told the camp about his encounter, that's when they saw it. Mm. I'm scary. Yeah. You ever, um, you ever like prank someone, like, tell a scary story, and like dress up in a costume? I have not. I have not, but my, but Michael, here's a funny story. Yeah. Like, uh, 
once he wore a mask and he pranked Evelyn, his older <laughs> sister, and she's like, ah, and then she and she tried to prank him back like she got a glass container and filled it with water and put fish hooks in it and then did like that with a plate and then Michael and then tried to make Michael how to figure out how to like get it out and then Michael's like, this is a horrible prank, Evie. <laughs> what she put like hooks in water and glass. Yeah, it, it took a minute for me to understand what happened, but apparently if Michael removed the plate, then all the water would spill all over him. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Oh. It, it took a minute for me to understand. Well, that's a horrible prank. Yeah. Yeah, Michael, he, yeah, and after that, Michael's like, Evie, seriously, this is a horrible prank. Yeah. You ever, uh, like, go fishing and, like, oh, yeah. ca go cast your fish line and, like, the hook gets caught in, like, in the weeds on you? Oh, yeah, it got caught in the tree one time and it broke off in the tree because I could not get it off. Jeez, it's horse. Sorry. No, you're good. I don't know. I was thinking. I don't, I don't go fishing so bad. It's been like forever since I've fished. What's the biggest fish you ever caught? I'm, I haven't caught one yet. What? I know, right? Because, I mean, normally we like put like plant based hot dogs on the end of the fishing pole and then the, and the fish just come up and snatch it right off. Yeah. I don't get it. Just take grow. They're good. Get some bullfrogs. I love bullfrogs. Yeah. Oh yeah, bullfrogs will not work. And I like liver. I like liver too. Yeah, liver. I, I can't remember the last time I had it, but have you ever had meatloaf? Oh, I love meatloaf. There you go. I got. I'm left on skate right now. Does your mom make pretty good meatloaf? What's that? Does your mom make pretty good meatloaf? Uh, no, my mom, she's vegan. Oh no. Oh, so sorry. No, it's so good. I mean, I, I tried to go vegetarian one time and I just couldn't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I meat. I like burgers. I like burgers and steak and chicken. I, I like that stuff too. And I just tried to go vegetarian one time. And I, I just couldn't do it. I mean, I like plant based food, but I just couldn't do it, you know? It's like some salt into like, the like, uh, plant. Yeah. It's like, it looks like the sodium. It's, it's like a ton of sodium and hot stuff. Yeah, but that's why I always do Morningstar products because Morningstar is just mashed up beans and stuff. Yeah. Like a you think uh, Sasquatch is vegan or carnivore? I think he's pescatarian. Pescatarian. Yeah, you know that is right. It's like yeah, you don't they, eat any. You eat seafood. But they eat fish. Yeah, I think he's pretty much all of it. I, yeah, that's what I even thought about one time. Like, I thought about trying to catch a Sasquatch by trying to figure out his diet. Perfect, perfect omnivore, perfect everything. Yeah. Good. I wonder why some Sasquatches stink. 
hmm, that'd be pretty something. But since Sasquatch are human hybrids, then <laughs> I guess. And plus, there's this new show out called Bigfoot is Real, and in one episode they were trying to catch a, a demon monkey of some sorts, and, the, and there was like this giant meeting, and all the hunters were telling them about it, and then this one man popped up, and he's like, you are shooting human hybrids. And then the hunter just says, man, you need a psychiatrist. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, because they were trying to hunt the Bigfoot down. And I was like, well, you don't want to hunt it. You just want to catch it and prove its existence. Yeah. Plus, I guess that's the best way to prove its existence is to kill one, though. Yeah. And then that man just said, you are shooting human hybrids. This is so funny. Yeah. And, and then everyone just starts clapping. Okay. What? There's something more. Yeah. That's, that's funny. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah, he's like that man popped up. He's like, you are shooting human hybrids and everyone just... Oh, what's that, what's that, what's that meme from everybody's doing now? Um, about that lady. Her name. Uh, Megan. Not Megan. Megan. Um... What's going on here? What are you making? Girlfriend's making something. Man, I need. I'm. Any UFO? Any UFO stories in Texas? Are um, UFOs a big thing in Texas? What was that? Are UFOs a big thing in Texas? Yes, but here in here in uh, Houston, I remember that one time whenever I went on a field trip to the Houston Museum of Natural Science, and it was amazing. Oh. Well, what was it like there? What happened? Oh well, first things first. You walk in, and there's just like literally all the science. There's like an entire butterfly display thing. And there's this theater that tells you about science and like many documentaries and stuff, you know. It's fun. Yeah. Wait, I'll be totally into that. What's that? I'll be totally into it, please. Like, look at I like reading everything and listening to all the things they have to say. Yeah. Ooh, UFO video. Yeah. Bigfoot and UFO. I don't need. I can only a 10 minute video for a 30 second video of a UFO. Um, I'll first see Bigfoot in Texas. A pterodactyl spotted in Texas. Pterodactyl? Or, yeah. Uh, Interesting. A man in Texas claims to have seen a dinosaur bird. Anonymous San Benito man on Thursday said he was at his father's farm with his, with his friends when the event. Probably took place in 2015. We looked towards the south and witnessed a pterodactyl. Told Mufon, Mesquier, L. Fletcher, it was supposed to be along a ditch. The animal was described as having a wingspan of 10 feet and looked like a pterosaur. That uh, witness says the strange bird disappeared into what like a wormhole. What? In 1890, Arizona. Okay. Wormhole? What's going on there? I'm traveling pterodactyls. Wow, third. 
Yeah, we're sitting here talking about Bigfoot, and then all of a sudden pterodactyls show up. Right? Yeah. Texas Cuny claims humanoids in El Paso neighborhood. Um, a man on Sunday said they are humanoid creatures wearing white suits, hopping from rooftop to rooftop in the western Texas neighborhood in El Paso. Means. Uh, they're not using a face mask. Uh, the first time he saw it alone, the covered beans, he says, it was in 1988. I was home, home alone sick when I saw one through the side door window looking onto my backyard. Panicked and noticed me watching it. He was also panicked and ran off into the neighbor's yard. Lost track of it after that. But the man believes that things were different back then. As the neighborhood became arid and more sparse over the years, they had to find other methods for getting around. Now use the rooftops late at night when most people are asleep, he explains. Like humanoid things. Just saying. Spanish. I can't understand what you're saying. How's your Spanish? Oh, what's that? Sorry. How's your Spanish? Oh, I don't speak Spanish. Oh my! I, I, I know a couple of phrases. That's about it. You'll, you'll learn Spanish. Don't worry. In high school. Oh yeah. Do you Do you know any other foreign languages? Oh, uh, I'm trying to learn Italian. Oh, yeah, I remember whenever I was like two years old, we, we lived in Italy. Yeah. What do you remember from Italy? From living there? Well, I remember that one time whenever, uh, trying to think back. Whenever my mom bought me a chocolate bunny whenever I was like two years old, I had my, and I was in my stroller eating it, and it was like all over my face and my hands. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then I fell asleep, and then my mom tried to get it out of my hand, and I was like, uh uh-uh. uh. And then she tried again, and I was like, uh uh-uh. uh. I don't know how I did it, though, still. Because I was just sleeping, and I was like, uh uh-uh. uh. Makes sense. Uh, multiple witnesses spot UFOs in Texas. Texas fan claims scuffle with alien creature. I hit one. What this is? A man begging for his help. Dealing with a series of reported alien encounters as home in Bell um, County says he has scuffles one of the entities. Man showed his frustration last Tuesday at the Mutual UFO Network website. And on the same day, he reported the suffering injuries from the flight uh, with alien creature and what appears to be the website's long-standing protocol without witnesses' name or contact information is not merely disclosed. I talked to my wife before and I asked her if I ate after 9 p.m. to the man. Addressing an unnamed investigator working for the organization. I told you the truth as I do, as I stay up all night long. You will not ask her, her if she has any problems herself with this. The man continues his brief mysterious message saying he couldn't sleep because his wife had kept him up, claiming there was someone touching her or opening the closet door. He would yell out to me while I was in the living room and tell me what had happened, he explained. Person writing the report went on to express his discontent as like the organization found it in 1969 was handling couples alleged repeated alien kidnappings. 
You ignored me. I told you about my abduction. Now it seems that this is happening again. As it was dark, they tried to get me again. I fought back and they left after I hit one. Reported injuries report with white marks on his wrists and blood on his hands and forearms. It shows that I have been tied down. It appears the man is now giving up his efforts to try to attain further replies from the research organization. If you don't believe me, that's fine. I'll go to someone else for help, he said. He did not provide a description of exposed entities. I reported of alien and physical humans are nothing new. Never suffered countless things. Reference with. Uh, Texas woman saw, says they saw a dragon like creature in the river. I guess that's like a botanist monster. And. Bigfoot, Bigfoot. Uh, two Native Americans spot headless humanoid in Texas. What? This is a ghost. Like, uh, what's that? What's that story? The headless guy. The headless horseman. Yeah, headless horseman of like. Town. Sleepy Hollow, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen the movie, like, it's a Sleepy Hollow, and it was bloody. Yeah. Uh, Bigfoot smiled at me, says Texas man. Whoa. Hmm. So, thank you. So, uh, forward, it's gets like, uh, three hours long. I don't know how long I've been doing this. How long been at this? Hmm. When we start, when we start recording, I have no idea. I think it was like two hours ago, maybe. Or two hours ago. Right, probably. Well, thank you, Logan, for coming on. Anytime, man. Uh, yeah. Is there anything to promote or anything you're working well, on? Like, in your whole tour? Going platinum? Oh, yes. Well, of course, you. Everyone can always follow me at on at my original account, Logos One Nineteen, on Instagram, and then I open the, another account that you can also follow, which is Legends Legend Hunter Logan. Legend Hunter Logan, and Logos One Nineteen on Instagram. Yes. Okay, I'm, <clears throat> I gotta follow your other account, your Legend Hunter. Yes. Oh no! So there we are. I mean, I will make sure to leave those in your, oh, that's me, and I'll, those links, your um, Instagram links, and I'll put it in the show notes. No. So, going on a tour or anything? Going platinum, going on a roll tour anytime soon? No, I don't really have anything to say, you know. Yeah. I going to Madison Square Garden. What was that? You want, you want to mass and square garden? Tell them out. Oh. No. I've never been to Madison Square Garden. Me neither. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I haven't even, like, seen a sign. I haven't even, like, seen a sign on the highway, like, oh, here's Madison Square Garden, like, 50 miles to Madison. I haven't seen that at all. Yeah. On the exit, boy, yeah. 
feeling. Uh, yes, I know. But uh, thanks. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to the show and watching. Uh, see you next week. Uh, what's next? Right. Utah? I guess. Anyway, see you next week. Uh, All right. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Thank you for listening to this episode of Monster Legend Podcast. You can find most everything you need to know about Monster Legend Podcast at monsterlegendpodcast.com. There you'll find the social media feed, episodes, and where you can subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. It's all free. It's all available on your computers and mobile devices. So check it out. And thank you. And share with your friends. And don't be afraid to ask me any questions in any comments or a voice message, which you can find in the link down below in the show notes. Thank you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.